The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. Oh boy. And welcome to The Waiting Room, a Quantum Leap podcast. Jumping back and forth through one man's timeline, putting right what once went wrong. My name is Sai. I am one half of your hosting duo here on SJP World Media. And joining me as always is the always entertaining, always brilliant, always insightful, my partner in time, Mr. Benny Mack. Benny, how are you, my friend? Uh, you've completely oversold me, but I'm doing I'm doing very well. Thank you. Uh, ah, you're, t- you're too modest. You're too modest. <laughs> I'm enjoying doing the show again, and I'm glad we're getting the records done and stuff like that. I know we say every time we hit record at the moment, but it's you know it's it's all coming together at the moment. And again, the the, the we mentioned it uh, last week's show, but um, you know the fact we're having comments off people and somebody's discovering the show for the first time and actually liking it is a uh, you know even if it's only one person, do you know what? I'm happy with that. At least uh, they're enjoying what we're doing. Yes, definitely. Down. <laughs> definitely indeed uh somebody who is not really enjoying what they're doing this week is dr sam beckett he has leapt into a fella called pete in september of 1973 the episode we're looking at is season two episode 15 of quantum leap entitled her charm now when we finished last week's recording benny neither of us were 100 percent sure about what we were going into this week now you've watched it back, does it, did, did you, you said you might sort of press play, get a couple of minutes in and go, oh, I remember. Did that happen? Or was this almost uh, like watching something again for the first time, maybe? Do you know what? It's a bit of a mix, really, because I thought it was the, I think it's in season three or four, but I thought it was the episode where he was a bounty hunter. Yes. That's where I got confused. And actually, he's an FBI agent, so I was completely wrong on that one. Um but I got 10 minutes into the episode, if that, maybe even less, to be honest with you. And I know we won't go there yet, but the uh, the the insider, I knew who that was, like, straight away. I was like, oh, yes, it's this person. Yeah. Uh, so I don't remember all. I didn't remember all of it. But I remembered, unfortunately, I remembered the spoiler, if that makes sense. Or the, the, the not the twist. Well, it is a kind of a twist, I guess, isn't it? But um, I think so. Yeah, but um, yeah, straight away I was like, oh yeah, that's this is where he is, this and that is that, and I'll be okay. Um, but in terms of like the rest of it, I didn't know it started with such. Well, it was quite an explosive start, wasn't it, with all the freaking gunfire going off <laughs> with almost yeah. three four minutes of the show, and I'm not talking about like the cliffhanger they have. I mean, obviously with this last week's show, we had the color of truth cliffhanger again, didn't we? Was that right? Or was that's that right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Um, yes, it was because yeah, that's right. So we didn't really have a hint of what was going on in this episode, which actually is kind of good, actually. To even though we kind of moan about it a little bit, but it's kind of nice not having that because when it opens, you know, and then they get into the vehicle and all that, all that stuff starts happening, the gunfire and stuff. It's like oh, oh my god, I didn't remember that. And but as soon as he was almost at the door talking to um, Dana, uh, as in the guy who Sam's leapt into, um, is it Nick? I think. Um, obviously we'll get into that in a moment but as soon as he started talking to her i was like oh yes i remember who i I remember the twist basically of like what the little you know the thing at the end of the episode almost the end of the episode who's actually been sort of pulling the strings basically Mm. to agree or at least helping pull them yeah i think it's um i think it's quite a clever little I don't know what you say, plot twist or trope, or I'm not 100 sure. But it's, it's a clever little I touch because because it's the first time I think it's happened, isn't it? In terms hmm. of, and I don't know if this happens again. Actually, this is a, a thing I don't remember. I know it hasn't happened prior to us recording all these other episodes, but I don't remember it happening again. But I could be wrong on that, obviously. So we'll see as we go through this um, timeline of uh, Sam Beckett. But uh, yeah, interesting. <laughs> Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, as I said, uh, Sam leaps into an FBI agent called Pete. The first time we see the guy is stood on the doorstep of a house, and he's leapt in just as Sam has pressed the doorbell. Sorry, just as Pete has pressed the doorbell, apologies. And that then means that, obviously, he's stood there with his finger against the doorbell, and you hear a woman shouting and yelling, all right, all right, I'm coming, enough, enough is enough, come on, stop ringing the doorbell. 
she opens the door and Sam's confronted with, oh no, not you. So it's instantly we're getting this kind of <laughs> friction there between the, the, the two main characters in this leap. Uh, yeah. The person not happy to see Sam or Pete is Dana Barringer. I think is how you say it, that, uh, Benny, isn't Barringer, it? Yeah, yeah. That's how yes. they say it. So that's what I'm sticking with. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> and I mean, the, the gist of it is uh, D- this lady, Dana, is in witness protection. And she's going to meet uh, an untimely death. She is going to be killed by somebody who she testified against, which we'll come to shortly. And it's effectively Sam's job to make sure she doesn't get killed. That's that's the the basic gist of the whole leap, isn't it? Yeah. Um. Obviously, as it goes through, you learn a bit more. But basically, witness protection, and um. But based on her reaction to uh, Sam or um Nick, is oh god not you again and it's like straight away but like i love the fact that you're in a monologue of sam before the door opens of like i don't think i'm here on a date mm. and he's like brings the door and opens finally opens the door and she goes, oh and she goes oh not you he goes yeah i'm definitely not here on a date so there's a little inner monologue <laughs> sort of going on with um with sam basically which is quite good it's it's, it's every and you know, do you know what i think we lose a bit of the monologue as we go on we get it occasionally but it's obviously it was the end of the monologue of Sam was quite re- like quite heavy in the first season, wasn't it? Yes. Um, and it, we are we still get bits of it, but we don't get. Mo- it's actually quite a nice little storytelling device, actually. This in the monologue to hear the thoughts of the character or them processing a situation in front of them, and it works really well here with the whole like because you are literally met with this character because we haven't seen him last week because we had a different teaser completely, and then. You know, he's just a guy in a big trench coat with glasses on. <laughs> you don't know whether he's going but, for a funeral, whether he's a salesman. You well, don't know I, that's the thing. I was, I was going to say, it screams FBI to me, especially the glasses. It's, oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't but, really... but I don't mean necessarily uh, screams FBI as in definitely FBI. I mean a character playing somebody in the FBI uh, from right. American television. Uh, okay, what they thought an FBI agent looked like or what are the FBI Yeah, and, and similar like you, you look at these cop shows and murder mysteries and, and so on, these thrillers that you have in like sort of from the 2000s onwards, the likes of CSI and Criminal Minds and, and all that sort of stuff, they all drive the same type of car and they all behave in a similar sort of way. It's almost like there's this kind yeah. of stereotype, isn't there? Yeah, like government issue. Well, I tell you what, was a good a good word for FBI agents would be X-Files because the way that the sunglasses actually, now that you've mentioned it, it makes perfect sense, <laughs> actually, <laughs> because you look at Boulder and Scully's glasses, especially in like the first season, um, the glasses they wear, the coats they wear, the vehicles they drive to a degree, you know, men in black-esque <laughs> to a degree. Um, but yeah, the cars especially, um, I mean, in this case, not so much. His car was a bit more, um, well, it's a horrible colour. I don't know what, I think, was it a bloody, I don't know what type of car it was, actually. Beige of some sort, wasn't it? It was horrible, wasn't it? I don't know. <laughs> maybe it was government issue then, that's why it was that colour. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, Sam and, well, Sam as Pete, sorry, and Dana get in the car. And they're looking for the keys for the car, which Dana says, well, last time they were on the floor. They both bend over to look for the keys. And that's when we get the villain of the piece, um, Nick Catchifoss, I think is how you say that, maybe. Bless you. Thank you. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's effectively a drive-by. They're trying to kill Dana off, and he's firing his machine gun out the window and and guns all the windows out of the car and so on. And again, as you said, Benny, absolutely spot on, it's such an explosive opening. I mean, we do tend to get these moments of either comedy or sometimes a little bit of peril. Or sometimes, you know, a good, you know, reoccurring one is that Sam tends to leap into somebody just as they're getting punched. But here, he's getting bloody shot at. Yeah, uh, not even like, like a, well, you've got glass breaking and uh, you don't know when we cut back. And obviously, because we have the intro, you cut back, there's glass everywhere that you don't, there's nobody moving in the car. You don't know whether um, either's hurt, dead or what's going on. And it, so the bad guy, so the FBI agent he's jumped into, is it Nick? I'm confused of the... No, um, Pete Langley. Oh, Pete, sorry. The, it, yeah. the bad guy, my apologies. Yeah, uh, Pete is the FBI guy, and that's it, Nick yeah. is the bad dude. <laughs> the gangster <laughs> the guy. Bad dude. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, he's the only one in this episode that I really kind of feel like I recognised. 
the uh, Terry Austin who plays um, oh uh, Dana. Dana, yeah. I, uh, I, I, she kind of looks familiar, but I didn't. I looked through her thing and I couldn't find anything. But John Snyder, who plays Nick, I was like, I, I feel like I've either heard his voice before or I've seen him in something. Um, and to be completely honest with you, I went through his like list of um, like his, you know, IMDb or whatever, and I may have seen him in Star Trek: Next Generation. He was in that. He was playing somebody called Aaron Connor. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know whether it was just some random person that I saw or it's his voice to be honest with you because he's done a few video games um, oh, okay but there's something about him I recognise and I couldn't remember whether it was a TV show uh, a video game and, and I'm going through it again and I'll give you this little trope out there because we haven't actually I don't think I've mentioned it on the show very often but I know you've been asked to do this show a few times in the past but he was in Babylon 5 so, <laughs> um, but yeah, he was definitely started next gen, but I don't remember what episode or anything like that. And I have been going through those recently. Um, and he did do a voice in time crisis, which was an arcade game that I played on. Oh, I remember time crisis, um, which I can't remember, which I've just lost the uh, thing, but he also did a voice the English version. He did E Honda's voice in street fighter four for some strange reason, which is oh, really okay. Um, and I did see time crisis on the list, but I, haven't got the list in front of me because I sh- sh- should have saved it. I wasn't going to bring it up, but um, the fact that he was in Babylon Five, I felt I had to be. I had to bring him up, basically. Yes, uh, shout out to UTT Rob there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you know, he, he, I know he wants. I don't know if you've had any more trolling on that, but um, he, he wanted it for a while. But yeah, he's done E Honda's voice from about Street Fighter Four to Street Fighter Five, and I think I believe he is doing it in Street Fighter Six, which is coming out soon. Um, so I don't know, again, I don't know whether it's his face or his voice or both. I play a lot of video games, <laughs> so I don't know. Um, but yeah, Terry Austin, I, she kind of looked familiar to me. I don't know about yourself, but she looked familiar to you, whether you know her from anywhere. Well, this is it. Yeah. I, I looked at her and I, I clicked on the name online and so on, looked into it thinking, oh, she must've been in loads of stuff. Cause I really recognize her. She must be. And the fact if I recognize an actor, then they must be pretty prominent. Because, yeah. you know, I, I don't get around to watching a great deal of movies or anything like that. So I thought, oh, well, I recognize her. And the name, for some reason, stood out as well. I don't know if this, because it's Terry Austin, it's a combination Maybe, of two yeah. different names, whatever, I don't know. And I thought, well, I must know her from something. She must be, you know, relatively famous for some for something. But there wasn't much, was there? I mean, in terms of myself, there was nothing that I can go, I've seen that. Oh, yes, she was... The- but she's done quite a lot of popular TV shows. She was in Wings and Shannon Moss. She was in Seinfeld as Ava. Again, never watched that myself. So, I, you know, obviously she's in Quantum Leap is what we're talking about. She was in an episode of Baywatch Nights. I remember that. Baywatch Nights. I never saw that. Lieutenant no, the cat. <laughs> that, yeah. um, was that Was that a spin-off or was that a, like a film? Or? It's after Hasselhoff left Baywatch and then they did Baywatch Nights. And it was a short a couple of short series of it and um he was now in charge of like a detective agency or he was a detective himself (laughs) it's as bad as it sounds mate uh, that sounds quite bad and i will say she was in baywatch as well as (laughs) mum okay that's all it says i don't know what character but yeah i again she's got one of those faces that you kind of go i feel like i know her from somewhere but yeah uh, nothing on that list jumped out at me and the same with john snyder who plays nick um the guy that is the other FBI agent look familiar, but again, he's done about a handful of things, and again, nothing mm. I've seen. So, I think some people just have a certain look about them, <laughs> you know. Um, but then I've never mistaken Scott Bakula or Dean Stockwell for anybody else, you know. So <laughs> it's a, I don't yeah. know. But Terry Austin definitely has that classic sort of eighties, nineties TV look. Is probably the best way to say it. I'll tell you what, yeah, that, that's a really good way of putting it. You're spot on with that. It's very, I don't want to say generic in, in, no, a, in, a, in a negative way, but it is kind of, that was the look of certain actresses for, for a certain period of time, wasn't there? If you'd have shown me just a still of her in the office or whatever, with that uh, blouse she had on with the hair and the background that she was in, and I'd be saying like, I think this was made in probably the 90s. Mm. but it looks like she might be playing someone in the 60s or 70s maybe and obviously this is 1973 That's uh, so but yeah again i think in terms of the, the way it looks you would go yeah 90s <laughs> you know output you know a minimum mm. yes yeah definitely uh, 
you mentioned there the other FBI agent. This is somebody who who goes by the name of Richardson, and Dana is demanding to see Richardson quite early on. She doesn't want to be looked after by Pete. She thinks he's incompetent and and so on. She wants to see Richardson to discuss, you know, the plan for looking after her, basically. And we find out a lot of information very quickly in this story, don't we? Quite early on, we get the, the scene set very early with regards to, as we mentioned earlier, Dana is in witness protection, but she's already been found twice, which is unusual. Sus, sus isn't it, straight away? Yes. Uh, she is killed at either, was it 2.18 or 3.18 that afternoon? Al informs uh, us. Yes, yeah, she's going to die like something like quarter past three that yeah. day. Um, also, the the FBI agent who's like the head of that department or whatever, or the the witness protection. The way he kind of turns it around on Dana, like, well, you you know, you you you're only friends with him for a little bit or whatever, making her like feel like she's the criminal because they speculate that Nick's paid off the jury and that's why he got acquitted. So he can't be tried again for you know the the crimes that he was being. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, she had evidence for, but yet somehow he still walked away free. But this freaking, uh, was it Greg Richardson as an FBI agent? He's, uh, he's, he's a bit of a tool to be honest towards her. He's, I know she's a bit of a freaking a chore, but Jesus Christ, man, almost like blaming her for the predicament that she's in. Mm. The system failed. I think that is a, a, a purposeful plot device. I think that was in there intentionally because, the gist of this is obviously, you know, and we're going to, uh, I think we're going to jump around a little bit to make points with, with reference to later, later stuff in the show as well. We get the conversation that, you know, so basically Dana gets killed in Baltimore, which is where the safe house is. And her new witness protection identity will be ready in two days. So she's to go to the safe house in Baltimore with Sam as her minder, as her, as her bodyguard, whatever it may well be. Wait the two days, new identity arrives, disappears into witness protection again, and hopefully this time she's okay. There's already It, it seems like there's already inklings that Nick... The, the gangster who she testified against. She was his secretary at one stage and, and provided evidence that in, in his trial and so on that you said, Benny, he obviously got away with. Nick has somebody working on the inside. Yeah. We then get that conversation between Richardson and Sam, because Sam says, I want to change the plan. I don't want to go to Baltimore. I want to alter the backup plan and where we store her for two days before the new uh, the new witness protection identity is ready and richardson turns around and says i don't know why we need to do this but if we do that's fine and effectively turns around and says if she's found you know we know there's only two people who know of this plan so if there's a leak it's either me or you yeah and i think that's in hindsight when you get to the end of the episode that's clever because it's pointing out what we then find out later on. But I think the, the writers are trying to misdirect us by okay. saying there's only two people who know of this plan. So there's only two possible leaks and Richardson then acts like an absolute dick. So we're not supposed to like him. So I think we're, susp- we're, we're we are supposed to suspect him suspicious of him. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's trying to misdirect us trying to take our eyes away from <clears throat> Well, well, we wouldn't normally, the first time of watching this, you wouldn't normally suspect Sam of being the bad guy, even though he's leapt into somebody else and you have no idea of well, their history. Yeah. Yeah. You have no, this, this is a good, I, I think it's good in a sense of that because it's the first time where, you know, you, and I, I'm again, I, I remembered it straight away, but I think remember watching it the first time, not even being, well, it must be the freaking douchebag. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a quite a good, uh, like you said, now it's try. I'm try. I always try and watch these as if I've never watched them before. Yeah. Unfortunately, because I remember the twist straight away, it kind of I knew where this was going. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I think it may have taken my enjoyment out of the episode a little bit, to be honest. Um, mm. One thing I wanted to mention, I forgot. You know the mirror image of the the character that Sam is. Um, yes. Yep. I don't know whether you picked up on this. Well, I'm just seeing an image in front of me now of him doing that mirror image when he's putting the plaster after the gunfight, that, that opening gunfight of the show. Is Don't get me wrong, his head is and he's, he's got bigger features, but I looked at him and thought, kind of looks like Henry Carville a little bit, to be honest. Um, 
AKA, I, don't, I don't know who that is. You don't know who Henry Carville is? Oh my freaking hell, man. Oh, hang on. Is that Superman? It was Man of Steel, yes. Okay. Witcher right. in Netflix and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Okay. But yeah, type in Henry Carville at some point when you get a chance and have a look. And I tell you what, if you look at them, there's a very similar look of these two um, these two people, basically. <laughs> I can't believe I just shouted at you on the show, but you know. <laughs> so my, my, wife, my wife yells at me like that all the time because I don't know who <laughs> anyone is. <laughs> yeah, but Henry Carville, come on, man. <laughs> I think I saw him on like a chat show at some point, maybe Graham Norton or something. Yeah. He's uh, he's quite good. I think there's a lot of stuff that that guy could do, and there's a lot of things he wants to do. He's a very big gamer, board gamer, and stuff. So um, there was talk about a Mass Effect uh, films or TV show a while back. I'm hoping that gets done. The video games are brilliant, so hopefully they will do that. That'd be a great series. That's on a different freaking podcast altogether. But yeah, I just thought he looked like him a little bit like Henry Carville to me. If <laughs> anybody sees a okay. picture, I'm on about, unless it's just me. Oh, I will check that out. <laughs> I will check that out. I will have a look. Uh, effectively, that Sam has changed the plan. Dana is supposed to be getting smuggled out of the FBI headquarters in Boston in a laundry truck or laundry van. And instead of going to the safe house in Baltimore, Sam, when he twigs there in Boston, remembers a cabin that he has stayed at with a professor. And apparently this is the location of where he and this professor of his came up with a theory, the string theory, that kind of lent itself to the Quantum Leap project. I don't so remember this at all, to be Sorry? honest. I remember them going to a cabin, but I didn't know why they went there, and I didn't know there was a link in with where they came up with the theory of Quantum Leap mm. in there at all. So that was completely, oh, okay. <laughs> it yes. was completely new to me. Yeah, really interesting, I thought. Really, really clever little, because it comes up again later on, doesn't it, which I thought was quite a nice touch yeah, as yeah. well. Uh, so, so that's the plan. They're going to do that instead. Now, there's two things here I want to point out that I've got a slight issue with. Okay? The first one is the character of Dana is incredibly unlikable. She is negative, bickering, whingy, and I appreciate her life is in <laughs> trouble. I fully get that. But these people are trying to help her, and she is just downright rude to them a lot of the time. The second thing is the fact that they still leave in the laundry van. If you're changing the plan, why not send the laundry... I mean, initially, when I watched this back today for the recording, and we saw the laundry van leaving, and then the bad guys, Nick and his companion, following the laundry van, I initially thought, oh, okay, they're not really in there. They've I sent that. Well. I, yeah. sent, I did as well. I thought there was going to be the laundry van as they would be the one, oh, there she is, let's go and follow that. And then they like leave in like a car 10, 15 minutes later or something. Out yeah, like a diversion sort of thing. Yeah, That's yeah. what I thought, you know. And then when you re- when you realise that they're actually in the laundry van, which stands out ridiculous. I mean, if you, if you don't know you're looking for it, I guess it is just a laundry van. But when you are looking for that specific vehicle, it stands out a mile. It doesn't blend in with the rest of the traffic at all. It's a bloody great, you know, blue and beige <laughs> yes, van for the dirty yeah. laundry for crying out loud. And I'm thinking... First of all, Dana is incredibly unlikable. And secondly, if you really want to try and keep this girl alive and you want to shake things up and change the plan, change the vehicle as well. I thought that as well. And obviously at this point, we're as the viewer, we're led to believe that more than likely um, Greg Richardson, the other FBI agent, is the guy that's feeding Nick this info. Mm-hmm. So Sam want, like you said, if Sam wants to change the plan, Again, I'm with you. I honestly thought that laundry truck was going to be a, a, a decoy and Sam would then leave in a car. And I've, I, do you know what? Maybe I've, I must have seen it in another TV show or something because I honestly thought we were going to see a car later on with her emerging out of the backseat under some blankets. And I yes. must have seen that in something else. But that's, that's where I thought this was going. <laughs> yes, and me. 100%. 100%. Yeah. But that's not the case. Uh, we have Nick and his companion, his his sort of partner in crime, I guess, is is second in command in the gangster world. Um, they follow the laundry van. They follow Sam and Dana. Um, but also, they've had a quick conversation about oh, that she can't get away because we have a man on the inside. So now we have the confirmation from the bad guys very very early on in the episode that there is a leak in the FBI, and we know that it can only be one of two people, don't we, Benny? Yeah, I mean that was very adamant, wasn't it as well? Um... 
and I think again, you, uh, by this point, you know, season two, uh, episode what fifteen of the show, we know what Sam's like. Yes, he hasn't done necessarily everything by the book to, to this point, but he's never been an, an asshole or a dude. Mm. So, and the fact that we are, we are led to believe one of these two people is going to be the 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 snitch, basically, or the person that's working with the the gangsters. We all assume it's the other FBI agent, but obviously, well, we're kind of we're going to get we've kind of given it away anyway, I suppose. But you know, obviously, it isn't Sam, but it is Pete who he's leapt into. Yes, like, and so they get to I, this. This is where this is where it started going. Ah, okay. But when they're driving the the three fifteen whatever it was when she was supposed to die is now passed, and it's been like an hour. Um, Sam was expecting to to leap, and yet again, I will point out in this one, there's quite an absence of Al in this one. To be honest, mm-hmm. from key yep. moments, whereas we've had a few episodes prior, he was in it, fair, you know, quite a lot. And I like seeing Dean Stockwell and Scott Bakula bounce off each other, but also, like, obviously Al's not there. So when Sam finds that phone number a bit later on, like, he just kind of looks and he goes, "Yeah, okay." Doesn't really. We don't really focus on it too long. But that would have been a perfect opportunity for Al to be like, let's see whose phone number this is, <laughs> you know? Mm. And it, it seems to be very convenient, isn't it? I, I know it's the, to move the plot along and have it be like a whodunit type thing, but sometimes you think, where the fuck is Al? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair <laughs> where the point. Where fuck is Al? <laughs> uh, whilst they're on the road then in their laundry truck getaway vehicle heading to the cabin that Sam knows of, Nick launches an attack. He has found them. He 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 knows their the direction they're heading in, and he gets his. I mean, first of all, for for a gangster who you know reportedly deals in um, smuggling of goods as well as uh, I think they mentioned um, the trafficking of people as well potentially. Yeah. His his family own a shipping firm, but that's obviously a, a sort of a right. guise to hide behind with certain yeah. aspects of his criminal you know criminal world activities. This guy is a shit shot with his gun, isn't it? <laughs> I was thinking as this was going on, one, he's a shit shot, you're right. And two, if you're that like powerful in terms of a gangster, you wouldn't do it yourself, would you? You would send one of your freaking... You'd hire somebody to do this for you. But obviously he feels like he's been hurt yeah. that much. Um, obviously we find out a bit later on why. Um, yeah, he was a bit besotted with uh, Dana, but... Um, like maybe they're not as big time as they sound if that makes any sense mm. i get yeah uh, and that is something else i was going to bring up as well because i mean it does they do deal with it at the end i think because well not even at the end all the way through the episode i guess because the the person accompanying accompanying nick the, the elder gangster shall we say he is constantly telling nick we don't need to do this we don't need to do this. And Nick is saying that, no, I have to, I have to kill her. I have to get her because she slighted me. I'm angry and all this sort of stuff. So they do try and cover the, that aspect of it through the story, but it still doesn't really make masses of sense to me. You know, I understand that he's got this motivation. He's fired up. He, he wants revenge. He, he wants to kill her. But if you're that big a deal in the in the under, criminal underworld, and you've got all this business riding, and you, you're able to bribe uh, juries, you've got FBI agents on on the yeah. hook, you know, and so on. I mean, you've even we find out very soon. You've even got FBI equipment, which we'll come to shortly. It's why risk everything for the you know, for the obviously what he deems as satisfaction of pulling the trigger himself. I mean, we, we, you know, you've already covered it, Benny, in that uh, Pete, who Sam has leapt into, is on the take. He's working for Nick. He's with her. Why don't you just say, do us a favor, mate, put a bullet in her head? Yeah, you could give him a, a separate gun and you can be falsify a report and all this. Yeah, you know, we're not trying to say we should murder her. I'm just saying that it just seems very, he's obviously very slighted by this woman, but like, it, it doesn't even see, seem. Even when the reason comes out, it's not, for me, it's not enough. But my logic was like, if you're that big a deal, why have we not sent a hitman after her? And then so, because you've just come out of a court case and been acquitted, but surely authorities are going to keep an eye on you because of what this woman said and all the, the evidence. So everybody else is like, well, you're clearly guilty, but somehow the jury found you not guilty. So you want to have an alibi of the moment when she's no longer alive. <laughs> I've oh. seen enough of these fucking murder murder documentaries <laughs> that you got to be careful. I mean, obviously we are talking seventies, um, but even so, 
it seems a lot of effort from the big boss man um, to get a former receptionist, essentially. You know, no, that's not taking anything away from her. Um, but I don't know. Again, <laughs> he, I think he was like fucking puppy dog lo- in love with her, wasn't he, or something? Uh, well, this is it. And yeah. I mean, we do get it summed up quite well in the scene in the car that we kind of skirted over momentarily moments ago. Andy, the, the guy who's with Nick, sorry, I, his name escaped me for the first half an hour of this show. It's just popped in my head now. Andy is the other gangster. Andy and Nick are in the car. And Andy's, again, saying to Nick, we don't need to do this. We don't need to kill her. And Nick's saying, I want her dead. And I have to kill her and all this sort of stuff. And then Andy turns around and says, well, she's escaped us a few times. You know, we've nearly been caught. We've been seen on the street and so on, I suppose, is stuff he's getting at. Yeah, firing yeah. guns and whatever. Andy says, God is trying to tell us something here. God is trying to tell us he doesn't want Dana dead. And Nick, res- yep. and Nick responds with, well, you're forgetting something, Andy. I want Dana dead. Yeah. So it's obviously personal motivation, which, you know, in any form of business is not a good good way to operate, is it, I suppose? No, not really. And also just a little order. We can get the in like we did with the LA law and order. But, uh, Andy also appeared in Baywatch. <laughs> so ah, okay. Just at my so I just, <laughs> just wondered, you know, because again, he ain't somebody I recognize, but, you know, it's always nice to have a quick look to see who, um, you know, appeared where sometimes. But there seems to be that pool of actors, either, you know, <laughs> Knight Rider, Magnum PI. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Law and Order, yeah. So, like in the UK, it's always EastEnders, Coronation Street and Casualty, yeah. isn't it? And the bill as well. And the bill, yes, of course. Yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, Steve-O, come on. Uh, but um, yeah, Andy's like the voice of reason the entire episode, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, Nick is very much adamant on killing. He's got a tracker on the van. That tracking suitcase looks of its time. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> well, I'm getting real strong 18 vibes now. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, this, this yeah. episode initially broadcast in February of 1990 in the States. So the A-Team was a few years previous to this. But the way it's filmed, the way it's it's a lot of driving about and shooting out of cars and all that sort of stuff, I got real strong A-Team vibes from this episode. Especially, yeah, the shooting. But, I mean, in terms of the shooting, we do actually... I mean, I didn't watch much of A-Team in fairness, but uh, it just... It does feel life and death when the shooting's going on and like the fact that people get hit in arms and stuff like that and windows are breaking. I mean, I, I can't speak for 18 really, but I don't think anybody really got killed in 18, did they? No, <laughs> no. Well, I think, I think there was one person died on the 18 and I don't think they were shot. Now you think of how many episodes of the 18 were filmed and how many guns were fired in all of those episodes. That's pretty <laughs> spectacular. <laughs> I wonder if somebody's worked out how many bullets were fired in the 18. I bet there's what someone the hit, out there. Who's done I bet that. Well, what the hit ratio is, what well, the percentage is. <laughs> it, it'll be less than 1%. It'll be like 0.002% or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh, man, I love that show when I was a kid. <laughs> hey, the, the fucking music's awesome. That's all I can say. I don't it really, is. You know, I watched a film that came out many years ago. Um, yeah, it was all right. <laughs> mm, yeah, not for me, mate. Not for me. Yeah. I don't. I think a lot of people that remember the A Team didn't necessarily like it. I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's about it, really. Yeah, I mean, you watch the A Team back now; it has not aged well. It is very cheesy, very eighties, and very dated. But that's a story for another, <laughs> for another day. day. Yes. <laughs> uh, eventually, we get to the cabin, and, and the whole time they're driving, you know, they've been shot at by Nick, got rid of him by throwing laundry out into the into the road and making him go off the road and crash his car and so on. And we eventually get to the cabin and then going into the cabin, looking for lights, food, um, all this sort of stuff. Dana is bitching the whole time. I think this is where I got confused a little bit because not in the, not in the sense of that, but when we were talking about talking about this last week, I thought it was a bounty hunter one because the woman in that, uh, who actually plays Carol in Friends, is very similar to what this character's like. Mm. Very pushy opinion there's nothing wrong with being opinionated but she's very much like won't let you get a word in so you can't like go right i've listened to you you need to listen to me now but she is bitching and moaning but then she's been shot at uh several god knows how many times this is just another adventure in this escapade for her she feels silly 
for trying. She feels like she hasn't done the right thing because he didn't go to prison, and now she's on the now she's the one almost in prison by being on the run all the time. So I kind of give her a little bit of leeway, but she, she is a bit of a chore. <laughs> to she does my head in. She 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 does my boxing. Just, honestly, in terms of this show, she reminds me of Tess a little bit from how the Tess was won. In terms of those two sort of um, mm. those two sort of uh, characters, you know, they're very. Um, God, those two teaming up together, Tess and bloody Dana from Quantum Leap, <laughs> having a go at you. My God. <laughs> it put some of these Karens to shame that we see nowadays on TikTok and all this BS. <laughs> yes. Um, Sam lights a fire in the cabin. And this is where we see the phone number in the matchbook that we will come to again shortly. And it was obviously, Sam looks at it, doesn't think anything of it. The camera zooms in on it. So it's obviously going to be an important plot device. You know, it wasn't very subtle with the way it was put in front of us, but I suppose you don't want people to miss it as well, Benny, I guess. Yeah. So obviously Sam wouldn't know because this is no longer, uh, this is no longer Pete. This is Sam. So he's like, Oh, phone number. Oh, I like the fire. And like you said, the camera zooms in. So we're like, well, it must be him then, because it's, you know, as much as the douchebag as the other guy is, it must be Pete, which makes it the reason why the deadline keeps changing of when Dana's going to be killed, because she's mm. still with Sam, aka Pete. And obviously, we know as the viewer the trucks being tracked. Sam doesn't know this, and orders, uh, and Dana doesn't know this. But we now go. I think by this point, if you haven't figured out, you'd be like really shocked when it does happen when she finds the phone number, but. By this point, as the viewer, you must be going, it's got to be Pete then. Pete's the inside guy. Because mm-hmm. we do have a slight scene earlier on with the other FBI agent going, Are they not che- they've not checked in to where they're supposed to be. Um, and he says, oh, I should have put a tail on him. I should have had somebody else follow them. And the other agent's like, well, we haven't got enough manpower for that, blah, blah, blah. So even though it's not like, I wouldn't say it's, I wouldn't say it's not sincere, but it doesn't come across necessarily fully you could almost argue at that point that it's still like he's playing up to, Oh, I should have done this. I feel bad because he yeah. doesn't, doesn't act it very well. I don't think it's in that moment. Um, if that makes sense it, to me, at least anyway. Yeah. I get you. I get you. Uh, it didn't seem genuine when he said that to me, when he said I should have put a tail on him. Don't yeah. <laughs> type thing, you know? Yeah. I get you. I get you. Uh, Al arrives in the cabin and explains that there's a new deadline of 4.18am now, and it's on a bridge nearby where Dana dies. Sam decides, okay, enough's enough, we need to get out of here. So he and Dana go to the truck, trying to start it and so on, but there's no fuel, the van won't start. And then we get a little bit more arguing back and forth, and Sam ends up falling in the lake. So that leads us to our standard weekly shot of Scott Bakula with his top off. <laughs> so tick that one off on your waiting room bingo cards if you have them. And uh, <laughs> do that. We should do bingo cards for each episode. Yes. <laughs> Sam saying, oh boy, Al making a crude comment towards a lady. Although actually this time around, because he wasn't as much, he didn't, he, he just said, oh, she's beautiful. That's all he said. He didn't actually, mm. there was no real like cringe from Al this week, was there? <laughs> no, I suppose not. I suppose yeah, not. That's a win. Yeah. Oh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, standard some way or another it gets written in. Scott Bakula takes his takes his top off, takes of course. Off, yeah. One for the ladies there. Um <laughs> all the fellas. You know, well, all the fellas, yeah, either way. Yeah, I mean, I know my mum my mum was my mum was very fond of Scott Bakula in this era, so <laughs> um we then get a bit more of a bonding moment, I suppose, between at this point I'm going to say Sam as opposed to Pete and Dana. Because Sam and Dana are getting close. Dana has hinted at a previous relationship or feelings at least with Pete, but obviously Sam is a much nicer guy than Pete. And we, we you know, that they're, they're close. They hug and it's, it's teased that they're going to kiss a few times, but this is when Dana sees the box of matches and the phone number. And she freaks out Benny, doesn't she? She, yeah. And she obviously recognizes the number and this is where it's fully confirmed that Pete, not Sam, Pete, this is very strange the way to say this on a on a podcast because obviously Sam is inhabiting Pete. You know, everybody sees him as Pete, but it's Pete who is actually being being paid, or I don't. I'm assuming being paid by Nick to uh, bring this so he can bring this woman down. So maybe that's why Nick is so adamant in doing it because he feels like, well, she's with somebody anyway. All I got to do is get there and shoot her. 
you know, hasn't quite gone that way, obviously, in this episode, because it's Sam <laughs> who's protecting um, mm. protecting Dana. Uh, but yeah, it's... Uh, I don't know how on this. <laughs> she freaks out. She's got hold of the gun at this point, and Sam's like, what the hell? Because he doesn't know what the phone number is. No, so of course. Weird, isn't it? We've figured it out as a viewer, I think, but like, in terms of Sam, he's like, I... Whoa. <laughs> has to almost enter that... Uh, negotiation stage that Sam seems to do on a weekly basis of yeah. trying to talk somebody down. <laughs> I loved this though. I love the timing of Al arriving. Dana has the gun and she's pointing it at um, shirtless Sam and she's saying, I will shoot you if you take another step towards me. And then all of a sudden Al's there and he goes, not with the safety on you won't. And, uh, and Sam's going, you know, are you sure? Dana's answering Sam saying yes i will shoot you but sam's actually asking al are you sure the safety is on i thought that was really cleverly done yes yeah it's cool to have uh, again al in this episode uh, seems to appear in the right moments basically Mm. which is again a nice writing device i guess um i feel like uh dana may have actually held a gun before as well because she didn't seem overly nervous with it as well um like sometimes when you have these people in shows, they point a gun at somebody. You can, they've never done it. You can tell they're nervous about it. They're just trying to stay safe or whatever. Um, but again, at this point, I don't think even Sam has figured out that he or Pete is the insider yet, has he? I don't think that's been. That's I, I think it kind of comes up pretty much now, doesn't it? I think he and Al kind of figure this out around this time in the episode, don't they? Oh, yes, because Sam does show the phone number. Yes, sorry, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, we, we skirted over something that is a nice little touch that at the time I thought was literally that, just a nice touch. But it ends up being quite relevant in the later story. Uh, as they're sort of getting close, Dana and Sam, and cuddling up and so on, and before Dana sees the matches, there's a picture on the fireplace. And it's a picture of Sam as himself with the professor who owns the cabin. Yeah. (laughs) And Dana's there going, oh, he's got nice eyes. And when I asked about it, uh, you know, Sam says who? The professor or the student, meaning himself. Dana never actually answers. So I think we're led to believe at that moment, we're supposed to think Dana is saying, Sam, the, the, the student has nice eyes. But we'll come to why that's relevant in a few moments yeah, yeah. at the end of the episode, I guess. That's good. Well, I, you know, I didn't pick up on that. What I found funny with that is the fact that the picture's meant to be Sam as a student, but it's got his head from now on him. And it's just like... Yeah. <laughs> he's like and he's still got that bit of grey hair. <laughs> yeah. Come on, at least fucking colour the hair in, man. And make him... I know it's meant... So you know it's Scott Bakula, a.k.a. Sam. I'm not saying you have to use necessarily a younger person to be Sam, unless you're going to cast them as a younger Sam at a later date. But... Yeah, at least, come on. It's a bad Photoshop. <laughs> it's, Photoshop not... <laughs> it's not very good. But again, uh, I wonder if... I mean, again, we're watching this now with all singing and dancing, high definition, super high definition, 4K, what's it, televisions, and all this you know magic technology we have now. I wonder if back in 1990, watching it on a 1990 television set that was... I suppose of a lesser quality than even what we may reference now as standard definition. I wonder if that didn't look as badly photoshopped because the, the image we'd be looking at on those old televisions wouldn't have been as clear. I just think the camera was held too long on it. You should have it enough so you can see that it's Sam and move away from it because it was mm. clearly Scott Bakula's head on a, either he's crouching down in the photo or on a smaller body of a allegedly a student. <laughs> But it's also, I think it's, is it his college professor? So, you know, he would be a an older lad, but it's not with grey hair, I would assume, unless Sam is one of the unlucky few to have grey hair from an early age. I don't know. Mm. Maybe that is it. Maybe we can explain it away that way. But Also, little sidebar here, a professor taking one of his young male students <laughs> to a cabin in the woods. Yeah, it was a bit, uh, it was, yeah. But having said that, there must have been a third party because somebody took the picture. Oh, well, really- yeah, that's true. Or there was a tripod involved. No pun intended. Uh-huh. <laughs> come, and pl- come and sort out my string theory, is what he's saying. <laughs> we've turned this, it doesn't need, we've had the, we had the episode with the van many, a few episodes ago. We Nonsense! Yeah, exactly. so, um, 
yeah, it was a bit like really. Uh, mm. There is that. There is that uh, inkling to it, but um, you know. <laughs> Ah, oh, mate, it's, it's, it was a different time. It was a different time. <laughs> um, <laughs> basically, Dana does a runner. We, we now know that Pete works for Nick. We know that Nick and Andy, the two gangsters, are very close. Dana does a runner. Um, everyone's basically then chasing everyone else through the woods for a bit. It, um, we have uh, Nick and his crony turn up in the car as well. Mm. There's a real cringy smile on his face when he's he, he has a he's the fella that he's with. You know he shoots Dana. He misses a couple of times. Then he hits her on the arm, just skims her one arm. Um, then the other fella's like, "Why don't you just kill her?" He goes, he, "Basically, he wants to fucking have he wants to toy with an out torture or whatever he wants to do." This bloke, um, but the other guy, you know, we've been chasing him for freaking a day now, or whatever, if not longer, at least what we've been watching over well over a day now. Uh, into the next day at least anyway um yes so he's like why don't you just shot her he goes oh i think i'm what he actually said but something basically saying we're gonna have some fun or something along those lines so he has no intention of killing her straight away he just he wants to make her suffer doesn't he so yeah again another thing of one andy andy the the elder gangster here nick's kind of second in command i'm assuming he's low-key the star of this show he's got his head screwed on he's saying just kill the girl we shouldn't be doing this in the first place, but now you've got a chance. Just kill her. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Nick is very much a well. Like I said before, if he's as big as deal as he thinks he is, then I don't know why he's doing it himself. But there we go. We <laughs> covered that oh, earlier. Yeah. But, uh, uh, Al kind of guides Sam to where Dana is. She's she's ran off from Nick. She's a few yards away again. Uh, he shouts for Sam, and by using his voice, he guides Sam directly to where Dana is. Sam then goes through this weird little kind of monologue with Dana. She's cottoned on that Sam is talking to somebody else with regards to Al. Yeah. And he then explains, he's not Pete. You have to trust me. And again, it works for the nature of this story. It works for the, this episode at this particular moment in the story. But when you take it out of context a little bit, or you break it down a little bit more, Uh, a little bit more, you know, with regards to detail. This is a woman who is being chased by two gangsters, has just found out that the FBI agent who is supposed to be protecting her is also working for the gangsters. And now that same FBI agent is saying, I'm not really him, you know. Yeah, She's she's been shot at, she's bleeding, it's the middle of the night, she's scared. And she just kind of looks at Sam and goes, okay, I trust you. My only thing with that is, so just before we get to that bit, there was a bit where Al stood by, as you mentioned, and he's going, Sam, I'm over here, Sam, I'm over here. And, oh, she's down on the floor, she's down on the floor. How did Al not notice her getting up, grabbing a stick, and then twatting fucking Sam in the back with it? I mm. just like, How did he not notice that she was up in hiding behind the tree? Anyway, moving on. My reasoning behind her sort of, one, she's been shot, she's been running, and she's knackered, and two, uh, three, sorry, she is on the edge of a cliff, isn't she? She has yes. nowhere to go. So maybe in that moment, she thinks I've got no choice, but to try and at least trust this guy. Either way. I yeah, mean, okay. so that's my only thing or his behavior over the last 12 hours has been different to what Nick is normally like, which we do get an inkling of that earlier on in the episode. Whereas, you know, when the other FBI agents almost treat her like a criminal, you know, he did as well, whereas Sam hasn't tr- treated like that from the moment he's met her. Yes, she's a chore and she's annoying, but he t- tries to be tolerant of her. Mm. So maybe it's a bit of that, but I think I'm me mainly, I'm looking at it going, she's either going to jump off the cliff or she's going to get shot and she isn't brave enough to jump off the cliff. I don't think I would be either. But so she's kind of like, I've got really nowhere to go at this point. Or mm. she could have hugged him and need him and then taked and legged it. But, you know, either way, there's something yeah. really gone with it. But that was my only reason in there. She's bleeding. She's tired. Um, and he's trying to convince her. And if she, you know, maybe, well, I don't know. Maybe she thinks if he was going to kill me, he would have done it already. But then, again, we're waiting for Nick to do it, aren't we? <laughs> so well, yeah, this is there's true. several ways you can look at it. But I just, my theory was at that point, she's got nowhere else to go. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll get you. Um. We then have effectively a little bit of a standoff. Nick and Andy arrive, and Nick is, he's got his gun in his hand, 
Um, Sam pretends to be holding Dana hostage. And we kind of get a bit of a standoff as to who's going to pull the trigger first. And eventually, well, Nick, Nick basically says, oh, she got to you, Pete, didn't she? She got to you. And, and twigs that Pete isn't completely on his side any longer before going in. It, we, we get the, the standard sort of late 80s, early 90s slow-mo effect here as Nick goes to raise his gun. Al is shouting at Sam just to shoot him. And we get the line from Al, uh, Dana, for Dana to live, Nick has to die. And then Sam brutally just guns the guy down. And I think this is... I understand that we're we're getting th- that message of it's one or the other, effectively. But I find this so out of character and quite jarring, to be honest, with how how cold blooded and 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 brutal Sam is here because he literally just guns Nick down, doesn't he? Um, it's definitely aggressive. I'll give you that hundred mm. percent. Um, but obviously in that moment, it's them or him. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um. You know, it's weird, isn't it? Because you watch some TV shows and you're like, just shoot the prick. He's a bad guy. And yet, (laughs) we're looking at this now. And I understand where you're coming from, um, but it is them. But I, you know, I can't remember if Sam's, is Sam killed at this point? I think this might, I don't know whether he, he definitely has now. I can't remember if he has in previous episodes. I'm going to have to look back at that, but. I don't think so. um, But this is, at least in terms of like, actually pulling the trigger with a, in a sense of, with a purpose, but. As you said earlier on, Al says it's either in order for her to live, he has to die, and vice or vice versa, for it to stop. So, in that moment, I mean, Nick doesn't believe that, like you said, that um, Pete is any longer on his side. And we've seen how this guy is already. He could have easily shot. Well, I say easily, he hadn't shot very well through the whole episode, but he could have quite <laughs> easily killed Terry. Uh, oh, no, it's not. Sorry, that's her real name, Dana. Sorry then in there in that one part but no he had to wound her and start chasing down like she was like he was on a hunt or something so i get what you mean though in terms so we have seen a you know sam can throw a punch and a kick with the best of them but yeah definitely pulling the trigger when he needs to like you said it's either going to be them or him so yeah yeah, I get you. Again, it's sort of, sort of backed into a corner, I guess, isn't it? 100% so. backed into a corner, yeah. So they're on the edge of a cliff, like I said earlier. So Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, we then get the almost almost sad scene, in a way, of Andy getting quite upset that Nick is dead and the whole time saying to Nick, why didn't you listen to me? Why didn't you listen to me? We didn't even need to be here. This, this didn't need to happen. You should have listened to me. Yeah. And he picks up his his fallen friend is for his fallen business associate uh, and carries him out however um nick is obviously dead he's he's completely he is no longer of this world so you know dead bodies normally are quite shall we say limp and relaxed yeah he's been shot uh, at least six times at least yeah. so i mean he's definitely dead al says al, al confirms that he's dead um but nick's got his arms around andy's neck when he's carrying him away <laughs> they always do that in TV shows, don't they? They always do that. It's uh, yeah, I saw that as well. He spoke, you know, your arms. Unless he's put his arm, you could put your arm, but even so, there's no movement there, is there? So I don't know. Um, <laughs> we we'll have to look past it this time, but uh, <laughs> you yeah. see it in TV shows all the time when they're meant to be unconscious. I mean, yeah, if they if they had a few too many to drink and they might hug up to you, that's just like a natural thing to do. But when you're dead, um, I, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, back at the cabin, and this is a nice touch as well. I thought this was quite good because sometimes I, I I wonder about when the person that Sam has leapt into returns, how they are going to react to the situation. And Sam is trying to cover this. He's giving Dana the gun and telling Dana to cover me until the sheriff and Richardson arrive. Al says that's going to be in about 56 minutes. I think he says something like that. So he's covering the fact that when he leaves, Pete is going to return and Dana has to cover him with a gun because you don't know how Pete's going to react. I thought that was very good. It's a, it was a nice touch to be fair. Cause we have a lot of, like you've already said moments of when Sam has le- like, um, there is that one where he is in the first season when he leaps into that gangster. Who's like having a way with Teresa. Oh, yes. Remember? Yes. Uh, but then he leaps I'm to the lying, I'm dying. Yes, it's if you may, you remember if you but when he leaps into the Don 
how we, I know he has to publicly say I don't mind these two dating, but what would actually the Don be like once Sam left? We don't really touch upon that. Whereas, like you mm. said, it's a nice touch in this one because he not only gives the gun to her if she's still like you're crazy. What are you on about? I mean, she hasn't fully believed bought into this. I mean, Sam hasn't said I'm a time traveler at any point. He's just said I am not Pete. Um, so yeah, to cover this off and sort of put a nice little bow on it for a change is actually quite good, like you said. Yeah. Uh, we then get a little bit more information about what happens after Sam leaves from Al, which is good. Pete apparently gets eight to ten years for his part in this, and apparently he was going to serve 15 years plus, but Dana actually testifies on his behalf and gets his sentence reduced. Dana then apparently goes on to be a lawyer and a partner in a very successful law firm. And the the surname listed as her name on the records and the, the name of the firm she works for matches the surname of the professor who owns the cabin, who was obviously Sam's professor, who they helped, you know, who they worked together on the initial ideas of the string theory of quantum leap. And as this is happening, the professor himself walks into the cabin with a bit of shopping <laughs> and, and sees these people just sat in his cabin what with a gun. Cabin. <laughs> yes. And it turns out Dana marries the professor, which I thought was a lovely little tie in. And it goes back to the picture. She was saying about nice eyes. Maybe she meant the professor instead of Sam. Who Sam knows? Yeah. yeah. And Jump. then Sam jumps up. That? Yeah. Sam jumps up and starts saying, professor, it works. Don't you know who I am? It, yeah, it, the string theory, it, it works. And then, Boom, that's where he leaps. That ending, I thought, was brilliant. The ending's really good. There's some good moments, like you said, tying that whole sort of like, here you go, here's the gun, because I don't know what Pete's going to be like. And she's like, again, not fully bought into this. I remember this different. I had a funny I had a funny feeling Sam had to tie him up. I'm, obviously, I misremembered that. But in my head, she he said, no, you need to tie me up. And because uh, I don't know what this person's going to be like when I leave or whatever, but um, oh, I get yeah, yeah. Um, maybe it happens. I don't know. It's something maybe I've, again. What if the professor's there? He can he can help keep him hostage, I guess. Yeah, and I'm assuming that's where that 56 minutes is where they sort of Dana explains what the hell's been going on mm. <laughs> for the last couple of years for her, in her life, and obviously they hit it off. I'm wondering now by doing that because Sam goes up there. So was Dana the person that took the picture of Sam and him together? Ah, actually, no, that can't be right because this picture was already there. Don't, don't oh yeah, yeah, don't know. I've I've done myself over there, but uh, yeah, confusing me as well. <laughs> yeah, how cool, how cool would that have been though? How cool would that have been though? Like have a nice little. Then I suppose it wouldn't be there, would it? That would make make no sense. So yeah, moving on. <laughs> but anyway, that's that's effectively it. Um, <laughs> Sam leaps. Uh, he leaps into the body of somebody getting the shit beaten out of him and which is a standard practice i think in the last uh, episode he's been shot at from the very beginning and literally at the tail end of this he's been punched in the face but what i can just about just well i wasn't sure at first until they put him in the cell are two coppers beating the crap out of him mm. don't be cheeky to me or don't be sarcastic whatever the line was i'm like oh this is yeah. not good at all. And I, I didn't recognise this whatsoever at I first. Didn't, uh, I didn't. I'm, I'm like, what is this? What episode is this? Normally, a bell will ring in my head. I'll be like, okay, I think I know what this is. At this point, I'm like, I don't. I've got no idea what this is. And then they start dragging him back to the cell. And as they throw Sam into the cell, there's an old man there, a, a, an American Indian, sat there. And as soon as I clocked him, I was like, I know what episode this is. I remember. See, I. I recognize, obviously, there's a mirror image and Sam is an Indian. You know, he's leapt into a Native American, American Indian himself. Um, And I do like the fact the old guy says it could be worse. You could be a white man. eh?" It's just like I laugh at that. (laughs) Audrey laughed at that at the end. But in terms of I don't really remember it in a sense of again, this is probably going to be one of those ones where I start watching it and go, oh, okay." But off the top of my head, I think the old man in the cell is the guy that sam's leapt into is his grandfather if i'm not yeah that's right yeah but yeah i don't remember much about it he's dying and the, I, I don't know if this is the actual aim of the leap but sam finds himself having to try and get the older gentleman back to his home so he can die in peace where he's happy but they're on the run from the police at the same time 
that's kind of what so I remember of be, it. It's going to be interesting. Again, it might be like with this one. Like I'm hoping it doesn't because I tell you what, knowing the twist in this last episode, I think it's taken away from it a little bit from myself. Trying to mm. because of what we're doing podcast wise and stuff, I try to. Uh, yeah, I can't pretend to sit there. I've never seen it, but I want to try and look at it as if when I. Yes, I'm rewatching it, but I'm trying to remember these episodes when I first watched them the first time round and what I felt and whether it makes up the same feelings. But uh, unfortunately, it'll be this. And now, spoiler alert, just in case, although statute of limitations should have passed by now, the film came out in 1999. But it's like going to see Six Sense and knowing the freaking twist in that. And unfortunately, I knew that because my mum came back from the cinema and told me that Bruce Willis was a ghost the entire time. Oh, my I sister watched, did the same thing to me, mate. When I watched the film, imagine I didn't know that. Um, of course then I've seen some of his other films that he's done the actor I'm not going to even pretend to pronounce M. Knight that his surname I'm not even going to pretend trying to say it um, but uh, like the, the film Signs I went to still see not, not Signs um, I did see that at the cinema but the one uh, The Village um, I did not know that the, the ending in that is like I did not see that coming at all and I love when you go and see a TV show when you watch a TV show sorry or see a movie you want to be like we do with wrestling, suspended disbelief. We don't know what we don't want to know what's going to happen. We want to be shocked and surprised and want to watch more of this, whether there's a sequel or not in terms of films. But um, I'm hoping this doesn't do the same for me and Freedom because mm. I recognise it. I actually recognise the two coppers like almost straight away, but I don't know where from. But we'll save that for next episode. But um, I'm looking forward to looking into this one and um, seeing a bit more um, stuff. I feel like the uh, the grandfather I may have seen in possibly stargate off the top of my head but okay um or at least something although this was 92 oh well yeah didn't start till 97 so yeah yeah maybe okay interesting well that that's for next week the episode is called yep. freedom and it's season two episode 16 of quantum leap we'll be looking at that next week gonna be interesting i think uh but this week's episode then her charm which i think must be named ironically because she was anything but charming final thoughts benny and and your rating out of five for this story um i mean i, I mean i liked it when sam had a pop at owl saying Can, if you're gonna sneak up on me at least have the decency to reflect in the mirror and he's like i'm a hologram i don't reflect and that was that made me chuckle a little bit but to be honest mate i think as i said at the top of the show and just like because i knew the twist going in i think it's taken it away a little bit for me yeah um some good action in it though in terms of you know the gunfights and stuff like that um a good episode again somebody i mean hopefully you've watched it before you listen to this but when you watch it for the first time obviously you're not going to know what we know going in so in terms of that yes i remember watching it the first time and it was a good episode but um it, it, it didn't wow me unfortunately um it's definitely one of the lower rated ones for me. Um, I, I, I would say probably a 2.5 and that's being, that's being nice with it, you know? Um, yeah. And, but I think it's more because I knew the twist, the, in terms of the acting and the, uh, the back and forth between everybody, nothing was cheesy. Nothing seemed out of place. And I generally enjoyed the, the banter back and forth of all the characters that when we had it, um, a bit more of our would have been nice, but, um, there's nothing. There's no scenes in there that go, oh, that was cheesy. There's nothing that stood out to me and went like, oh, that. I mean, I'm not an actor by any stretch of imagination, but I, you know, you know, when somebody says a line and you're like, yeah, you're definitely reading the script, which we know they're all reading scripts, but the idea is to act <laughs> and suspend the disbelief. So yeah, nothing really. Again, I'm very underwhelmed with it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I'm kind of the same, mate. I've got two out of five for this one. I, I think the premise is quite good. The idea of somebody as an FBI leak or somebody is, you know, working for the gangsters in the FBI, and you get this, the, the reveal of it being Pete, who Sam has leapt into. I think the premise of that is very clever. I think Dana is a very unlikable character, and that doesn't help. Yeah. I think the little tie-ins with the professor and the the cabin and all that sort of stuff. I quite enjoyed that. But the fact that we've ran through this episode relatively quickly to me shows there's not masses to it. 
No, um, it, it is what it is. Um, yeah. It's not the worst. Um, I don't think it's one of the worst rated ones. Oh, definitely not. No, no. Yeah, but um, I think the point five for me is like the fact they did tie in. You know, we got a little bit of where Sam may have started thinking about Quantum Leap in terms of the uh, the cabin and the professor and college and all that stuff. Obviously, he's a protege, isn't he? So mm. he's very he's one of those like once in a lifetime minds that can just he's just very clever, as we all know with Sam Beckett. Um, but having it all tie in, like you said, at the end was quite nice. Again, why the hitman didn't send somebody else to go and get her or have her brought? Oh, I didn't make any. There's, it just seems. A lot of plot holes. Yeah, I don't know. It just could have... Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. I mean, again, it's Quantum Leap. I still enjoyed it. I still loved it. But ranking it as we do, it's not one of the best yeah. available to us. It's kind of the, yeah. the best way I can word it, I think, mate. When we started this, obviously, we moved networks since then and everything. But like since we started this, you know, we sat through and we went through all the episodes from season one to five that we were looking forward to. But there have been some episodes that we didn't mention that have been really good. Mm-hmm. So you know, uh, this, unfortunately this isn't, I wouldn't say I would skip it if it was on T I wouldn't turn it off. If it was on telly. If I was watching the DVDs. Would I watch it again right now? If I was going to go back through maybe in a year's time, probably I would go now nah, past that one, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And yeah. it's nice way possible. I get you, mate. I get you. Ah, so there we go. Then that concludes this look back on her charm, looking forward to the episode freedom next week. But before we go, Benny, do you want to let people know whereabouts they can find you online and all the awesome content you're involved in, my friend? Uh, well, I, you know, I'm very spread thin, so everything's taking time to do. But yeah, at Benny Mac on Twitter, B-E-N-N-Y-M-A-C-E-K. And then obviously you can find my other show in the corner uh, with myself um, on at SJP World Media, either on Spotify, Apple, Google, <laughs> all the places you can get podcasts, really. Um, working with this gentleman who I do this show with. Um, and just, you know, I, I do a little bit of, uh, I'm, I, I'm definitely a part-time streamer, um, uh, but that's twitch.tv uh, forward slash Benny Mac Gaming. Again, B-E-N-N-Y-M-A-C-K, just gaming on the end. Uh, more recently, I, I say in the last couple of weeks when this comes out, playing a bit of the new WWE 2K game. Um, so very much uh, wrestling orientated, I'm not going to lie at the moment. Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Uh, anything I'm involved in, you can find via the network that carries this show. That's at SJP World Media, and you can find that on all your podcast players, platforms, and providers. Uh, chuck us a subscribe, a follow, a like. Um, chuck us a review as well. All that great stuff. Uh, and we've got all sorts on there. Plenty of wrestling content, a Doctor Who podcast, um, Murder in Mind, the old BBC drama murder mystery effort there gets looked at by myself and our good buddy morty um, we go live on a monday night with chain wrestling more live content coming up on the youtube channel as well so much going on with the network and that's at sjp world media on all your podcast providers and facebook and twitter but you can follow this show itself at waiting room pod underscore pretty much all over the place twitter facebook etc 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 benny uh, it's always it's always good to chat to you about the show, man. Unfortunately, not the best episode, but then it still is not the worst. I think the worst episode at the moment is still playing against Seymour, <laughs> probably. That was chod. Um, or maybe actually the worst one, actually, I would say from season one was the, uh, oh, the teacher. I forgot what the name is. Uh, Star, uh, Star-crossed or Star... Star-crossed. There we go. Star-crossed. Yeah. Uh, Star-crossed, yeah. So, yeah, uh, by far not the worst episode, but um, not one of the best ones, unfortunately. No, but there we go plenty more to get into as we continue this journey with sam and al benny i've had a blast my friend i look forward to next week and i'll speak to you then yeah and we'll see you all again soon <laughs> <laughs>